Benvenuti a Ciao Bella. I'm your host, Erica Firpo. For the past 20 years, I've made my home in Rome, where I've worked as a journalist contributing to publications including Afar, Washington Post, Lonely Planet, and Travel and Leisure. I love sharing the stories of Italy's pioneering creators, and I'm bringing these stories directly to you on Ciao Bella. Every week, I'm joined by contemporary artists, heritage artisans, designers, culinary experts, innovative estites, and more. At the crossroads of evolution and tradition, the past and the future, they are working and creating to define and redefine 21st century Italy. Join me as we see Italy through their eyes. Buon anno a tutti and welcome back to Ciao Bella and to the season seven kickoff where Erica and I are flipping the script. I'm Jenna Spray, Ciao Bella's production manager. You typically hear my name at the end of the episode instead of the beginning, but today I have the privilege to sit down with Erica on tape to discuss my experience in 2023 as a master's student based out of Milan. A little later, we're going to break down generalizations of Italy and expectations versus reality. Let's get into it. Hey, Jenna. I'm so glad that you've invited me on Ciao Bella. <laughs> I'm so excited to uh, have a chance to speak. It's so fun after like being behind the scenes for so long. Well, it's been, it's been a great time having you behind the scenes. I really think you have a great input on podcasts, but you know, I'm, I'm also so interested in your, your perspective on Italy. You know, you've been living in Italy for the past year. I know now you're back in the U S but my question is, you know, you, you're from the Midwest, you grew up a little bit outside of my hometown, so I'm going to claim a little pride there. <laughs> um, studied in Chicago, but how did you choose? Nor- um, oh, sorry, how did you choose Milan of all places to pursue a master's degree? Why? Well, you know, a lot of people ask me that question actually because I, unlike you, do not have Italian roots, unfortunately. But as a child, I traveled a lot to Italy and kind of just fell in love with it—just the classic story. And given the fact that I wanted to study brand management. and Milan to me is kind of the center of brand activation you know when you walk around you see like all of the companies really just putting on a show in their in their front windows Um, it's kind of just like going through a museum of capitalism when you go around Milan I think as like a brand management student it was really attractive for me even outside the fashion aspect I mean there's design week so there's a lot of different headquarters that are are active there Um, But I also was interested in Italy because I just love the commitment to that artisanship. Like one time I went on a tour of for classic balsamic vinegar, and I was just so struck by the pride that Italians typically have in their products. And this isn't something that you often find in the U.S. Um, And I was so interested in the way that they, they brand those products. I'm thinking of Giuseppe Giusti, specifically the oldest balsamic vinegar producer in the world they claim so because of like those two aspects I just Milan seemed like the perfect place for me and also just my personal fascination with Italy you know one thing we didn't mention is what you studied before you got to Milan so you were at Northwestern for journalism correct Yes. So I was at Northwestern for journalism and legal studies for three years, which left me that fourth year um, to kind of go pursue this master's degree somewhere that I really loved. So it worked out for me in terms of the calendar. Um, But yeah, also because of COVID, I never got to study abroad. 
And where did you choose to study in Milan? Because Milan has some great programs. Yeah, so I studied at the Institute of European Design, Instituto Europeo di Design in Milan, which is one of their main campuses. They have campuses actually around the world, but in Italy, they have them in, gosh, I think they have like seven different campuses, but Rome and Milan are, are the main ones. There were a couple factors that went into that. Part of it was just the length of the program. It was a one-year program, so that was attractive to me. I did want to do it in English, even though in hindsight, I kind of wish I had just pushed myself to do it in Italian and kind of drank out of a fire hose and just adapted. But it was actually a great experience because it was in English. It was super international. There were 23 of us, and we represented 14 different countries. So it was a really valuable experience just in terms of exposing myself to other cultures, even outside of Italian culture. So, You said two things. You said international, and earlier you said a great catchphrase, a great catchphrase, Museum of Capitalism, when you described Milan. And, you know, I think that Milan always kind of gets... I mean, more recently, less, but it was getting, for a long time, it got, you know, it drew the short straw because it's one of those places that is not the picture perfect, stereotypical Italian destination. Um, it's, you know, you're not under the Tuscan sun, you're not sitting on the Malfi coast. Milan's a whole entire different beast. I wanted to know what kind of expectations did you have of the city before you started living there? Yeah, so I had only visited Milan a couple times for very short periods of time. And of course, when I did that, I only went around the very center. So it wasn't a good representation of the city as a whole. I totally agree. I think that people have kind of unfair expectations for Milan um, because it is the economic center of Italy. I feel like that is kind of its burden, not necessarily the art and historical side, although there is so much of that as well, which is what I discovered upon moving there. Um, I was also looking at Bologna for grad school, and ah. my parents were kind of like disappointed that I didn't choose Bologna. But like after visiting last year, because I had never been to Bologna before, and I love Bologna, it's a great place. But I think for a year, Milan was a better choice for me just because there's so much more there. But I had a lot of people asking me, why not Venice? Why not Rome? Um, Some place that's a little bit more in terms of like a cultural side, you know, a little higher tier in like at least Americans' eyes. And I think like um, because it doesn't have that really obvious beauty, um, there was so much more to discover. I really tried to push myself to see what was kind of, you know, off the beaten path. My Italian friends also like a lot of them had come to milan for this program so they weren't the biggest fans either and it was pretty funny because i kind of ended up being the defender of milan a little bit they all would say milan is the least italian city why do you why do you like it so much but i would always tell them that i feel like milan is a very italian city because milan does not exist for tourists you go around and you see people just living their lives uh going to work having aperitivo after work and I love that. I mean, as long as you're not there in July or August, it's a very calm, very normal city, at least compared to Rome also. I feel like it's pretty organized. Yeah, I, I would say, I feel like sometimes I, 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 my, my mind needs to go to Milan to kind of decompress <laughs> and um, just 
not have the chaos that's Rome around me and, and not mm-hmm. also not have like, cause I think sometimes when you live in a city like Rome or, or Florence or Venice, there is, there can be that frustration of the over-tourism mm-hmm. and you get to Milan and it's not there. And it's, you're, you're kind of like, like what you would, like you're saying, Milan, Milan is for Milan. Yeah. And I feel that people from Milan are very proud also. And I love that about them. Um, it, I mean, sometimes it's kind of funny, but I just like every Friday I would wake up, I'd go to the market to get my groceries. My Italian friends thought I was so funny because even they were not going to the market as much as I was. But I just think if you want to find the Italianness of it, you definitely can. You know, I was having dinner with some friends of mine um, and it was, a, it was a group of different different kinds of friends from different cities in Italy. And one of them was from Milan who was like, you know, they... They were saying that Milan is the best city and we all kind of rolled our eyes and groaned. But they, they made another point, which is that, you know, the amazing thing about Milan is that it is kind of, it, it's the, I like to say Rome is the best city for going anywhere in Europe. I realize I'm slightly skewed towards like Rome going for anywhere in the Roman Empire, which means following the archaeological <laughs> path. But Milan really is the easy access city to all of these places by train and by plane and and, and I think that's also what, what's so fun about Milan is like, you know, you can go to the mountains, you can go to the lake, mm-hmm. and then if you need to go to Rome, you can go to Rome. <laughs> but it's, it's, and I think that's what kind of feeds this city because it's so well positioned and, um, and because it's so well positioned, it's got a, a different history too with like the art, like I, you know, I, you know, I love going there for the, the architecture and I'm talking 20th century architecture. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the position for me was huge this year just because, I mean, there's the three airports, but if you prefer not to get on a plane like me, it's also very well connected just everywhere else. Um, And the transportation is very much on time, I found, unless there's a strike. It was really reliable, just like within Milan, getting to school every day, getting around. That's something that I miss a lot already. I bet. If you were to have to describe Milan in a sentence, how would you describe it for for the listeners? Or to tell them why they should visit it? Oh, that's so hard. Because (laughs) I feel like I don't want to encourage more people to visit. (laughs) I told, okay, sorry. It's a horrible place. Don't go, don't go. It's a horrible place. Um, I would say go to, well, I've always said Milan is a better place to live than to visit. That's what I've been, that was kind of my catchphrase all year. I think like if you're the type of person that's going to go from the U.S. for like three days on your way to Lake Como, you might be disappointed because I don't think things are pretty spread out. That's another part of it is like, it's not like Florence where you walk around and everything is just laid out for you and everything's on display. The history and, and the art and the architecture it's definitely there but it's much more spread out because of like damage from wars and like different things and like prioritizing industrializing over maintaining some of these things not that everyone can just like pick up and go live in Milan but I do think that I kind of did it the right way because it takes some time to uncover some of these things and like everywhere else it's better to spend more time if you can um But gosh, I don't know. I'll have to think on how to describe Milan. (laughs) This year, I've studied and worked along 23 other students from 14 different countries. 
For the sake of this episode, I pulled a few of them aside to ask them about their preconceptions of Italy and whether those have changed throughout their time here. A preconception I had before coming, which actually was kind of true, I feel like, was that Italy can be very stalled by bureaucracy in some situations, especially like on a personal level. This is, of course, a very international problem. Like I have the same issues trying to go to the DMV in the US, but with my experience right off the bat, I had to get my permesso di soggiorno and I had to go to the Poste Italiane to do that. And it was really interesting because my school actually helped me out in the beginning. And I went in and they were like, what's your Italian phone number? And I was like, I don't have one because I need my my permit to get a SIM card. That's what it says online. And I was like so stressed about this. And they were like, no, no, you have to have a phone number so the police can contact you when your visa is ready. And I, I said to them, but if the police are contacting me before my visa is ready and I already have a SIM card, doesn't that mean I've already broken the law? <laughs> so it was really funny. And they were like, yeah, yeah, no, you just go. The cell phone companies make one up for you. It's fine. You don't really need to have your your uh, codice fiscale or whatever it was that they required me to have. But that was when I kind of learned like right away, okay, I, I have to maybe clarify the priority of, of rules here. I ended up shipping my my visa with no marca da bolo because I was too intimidated to ask for it in Italian. This was like my first week of being there. I went to all these. The, the marca da bolo is like a, is like a stamp that you buy at the Tabacayo. Yeah, it's like a. I don't know actually what it is. I guess it's like a stamp. It's like a special stamp, is how it was explained to me. But I went to all these different bars and kept asking for it, and nobody had it. So at some point, I kind of just got too embarrassed to keep asking. <laughs> So I just went to the post office and I asked the the man helping me and he said, no, no, you do it after you do it after. And I was like, okay, easy. He knows he does this every day. So I ship it. My school, I, I contact my school after and I was like, hello, um, the post office told me that I have put my marca de bolo on some sometime later in the process. And they kind of like freaked out because I needed to have this visa to be lawfully attending this school. No problem. My visa went through. The Italian government didn't mind. It wasn't there. So I saved a few euros. <laughs> I don't know about in the US because I, I feel like I haven't had a chance to really dive into the bureaucracy that I probably should have because I haven't lived there for a long time. But but uh, I haven't had to do it. But there are so many fun stories here. Fun, fun and heartbreaking stories. One of the things that I love to do, I, I've noticed, is I, I like to do this on, on my Instagram stories. I just take a picture when I'm at the post office of, you know, you know when you're at the post office, the Poste Italiane that you're talking uh -huh. about, where you got your permesso, where you filled out the forms. I take a picture of just the sign that says, like, the numbers and, like, oh, what, yeah. what, what um, desk they have to go to. And I just put it on Instagram. I don't say anything. And I love getting all the messages because it's never just like, oh, too bad. It starts out with like, oh, too bad that you're post at the post office. And then it launches into stories and people tell me the funniest things on earth. I will tell you the, the crazy thing that I once had to do was my, um, I had to get a passport for my dog. And when you get a passport for your dog, well, back, this is back in the day. This is not the dog that's sitting on my lap, but my, my first love. And, oh. um, Part of getting the passport was that you had to submit um, 
a blood analysis that said they had the rabies vaccine in their system for X amount of time and that it was active. But that with was you had to get your dog blood tested and send it. And I had to send my dog, like a vial of my dog's blood through the post office, <laughs> which I walked up. I had, because I also, you know, like it, this is, this is a while ago when like you couldn't just walk up with a packed package, like because of security, because of everything that had been going on in the world, you had to have an open package. So I had an open package and a vial full of blood and it became like chaos in the post office. <laughs> and I kept trying to show them. I'm like, but this is what it says. And everybody's like, no. And eventually, eventually it got sent, but it just, you know, it's just all those funny things that, that I have a lot of patience for I've discovered. <laughs> Oh gosh, that is so funny. It's so funny. And, and everybody kept saying, but why my pitkin? And I was like, because they told me to. Right. Like I'm just doing what I'm told. Yeah. Oh, Erica, I when I first went in, because the thing is, I don't even have that much experience doing these types of things in the US. I was 21 when I moved to Milan. I was totally alone. My Italian was probably like an A2, like on a good day. <laughs> So I go into the post office and I didn't even realize it took me like 30 minutes to realize you need to take a number. So I'm like sitting there <laughs> and I'm like, why, why won't they call? Like, they're not making eye contact with me. Like, what am I doing something wrong? And like, finally, this older woman took pity on me and she was like, can you take a number? And I was like, because that's another thing. Everybody assumes that in Milan, everyone speaks English. And for the most part, I like at a lot of restaurants, a lot of, of course, like tourist establishments in the center, everyone speaks a very high level of English. But I found as soon as you get outside of kind of that area and you start going to places where it's like a market or it's the post office there, like you should not rely on English. And I was glad, like, thank God. I don't know how I got away with my Italian, um, but I was really proud of myself for kind of going outside my comfort zone and doing that. It got done. So that's all that matters. Baptism by fire. Mm -hmm. That's, how, that's exactly. how it works. Exactly. But Erica, I actually wanted to ask you because you were visiting Italy a lot as a child regularly. I'm curious if when you actually moved here full time, whether it be to Venice or when you moved to Rome eventually, if there were any aspects that surprised you in terms of just the day to day, the culture that were different well, than just being for, there for a holiday. I think two things. One, so I, I live full time in Venice first, but I've been coming to visit my family in Rome so much. Mm -hmm. And that was actually a really big culture shock for me because I was used to Romans. And Venice is, you know, it's an island, uh, it's an island like culture. So in Rome, it's like, you say hi, and like, so you know, your friends and you're talking. And Venice, it took me like, having a friend took a while, like having, mm -hmm. like, I would see people that I recognize, people recognize me, we would politely say hello, if that, um, but it, it, that took a while. And I was at first like really angry because I was like, in, like, like in Rome, like I would have a million friends and it, it took me a few months to like really feel a community in Venice. And then when you, mm -hmm. then when you feel that, when you, when you're part of it, it's like, wow, you're a part of it. So <laughs> that's, that's definitely one thing. Um, I think another thing for me was just for the, you know, a lot, a lot of people, I think can get really frustrated at things like bureaucracy or how like 
you know, I grew up really used to Italian culture, but I grew up in the U.S., which meant I was used to things like saying goodbye quickly or just like things getting done. And, and I, you know, I've lived in L.A. where you can do one thing one day and change completely overnight. And that's not the case in Rome. And I realized I had to learn, like, even even though I was so used to, like, you know, having a little bit of a sense of humor when it came to bureaucracy, I realized I had to temper my impatience because, mm -hmm. you know, coming to Rome requires a, like coming to Rome and being in Rome and being, I think, in Italy in general, it's it's it requires a lot of patience and not in the sense that things are frustrating, but there are there are different ways things are being done. For example, in business, it's or, or in, in general in anything, but, you know, you're going to meet someone you're going to you're going to establish. Like a friendship, you might have to have a few lunches. You know, and if you come from Los Angeles, it, that doesn't happen like that, you know. And, you know, again, also add the fact that I grew up in Philadelphia, which could be like that that makes me like a little bit aggressive. Um, so I think I think that that was something that was that was interesting for me. And, and then it was so funny because I remember talking to my nonna about it and she was like, she's like, I don't understand. And I was like, well, what do you mean you don't understand? And she's like, I don't understand you. She's like, you she's like, what do you what do you mean you have you're impatient? <laughs> she's like you, you know how it works and I was like oh okay that is so funny it's like it's not even yeah I oh gosh that was it was a big challenge working with a very diverse group of people this year in group settings because I also I don't know if I've ever had someone tell me that I'm well at least in a professional setting aggressive but this year it was amazing because since these were new people, of course, I was, you know, tempering who I am also. So I was being even less aggressive than usual. Um, and I think they still found me quite confrontational. And in a group setting, it, it could be, I'm sure, very jarring. Um, so it was really interesting. I wonder if that's also more of a northern thing, you know, because I feel like in the south, you know, there's definitely more like you can kind of just in essence, you can be a little bit more boisterous, let's say, mm -hmm. in certain situations. Um, you know, you know, you just reminded me of when when I moved to Rome full time, uh, my friend Davide, who was a good friend of mine from Venice, but he was from Bolzano. He called me up one day. And he said to me, <laughs> he was so it kind of it made me angry, but it was really it was definitely very nice. Thank you, Davide, for saying this. But he said, <laughs> but he said, you know, Eric. He's like, Erica, you have to stick with one thing. And I was like, what? He's like, you can't change. You can't invent things. You can't do things whenever you feel like it. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, we're in Italy. You stick with what you do. And I was so angry. And I understand what he was saying because there is that it change was back in the day. It was hard. Things have actually changed so much. But, but he was saying like, you can't just decide to do whatever you want. And it was, I remember being really annoyed with him. Um, <laughs> I'd like to say that Davide was right and wrong because he he's right in that consistency and having a foundation is really important in Italy. So if you are just kind of superficially dilly-dallying um, and changing, it, you're not really going to build anything if you're living here. Mm -hmm. But there's been like what one of the things that's amazing and i think you see it a lot more in milan is there's been so much innovation now in italy in different aspects of business you know um and and technology that change is happening totally totally
Now, as we move into the second half of this episode, where we're going to dive into these crowdsource quotes about stereotypes and expectations that classmates had of Italy that are actually not true, I'm going to start off with one that really applies to the Ciao Bella mission, and that is the promotion of contemporary Italy. Another stereotype um, that Italians aren't necessarily on like the leading edge of innovation ever or at least in the 21st century. It's really interesting because what you're saying is so true. I don't know if if we can apply like what's going on in Milan to like all of Italy. Like I think it is kind of a bubble also. Like even though in general, like people are at least like a younger generation, in my opinion, like there is that like desire to push for like more innovation and more change. It was so interesting to me, especially like during design week, just from that perspective, um, I was totally blown away, blown away by how the city transformed by the different types of people that were coming, um, the types of ideas that like it was just total overwhelm for me <laughs> in like the best way possible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, especially compared to even just from like a transportation sense coming from the U.S., I mean, if you are outside of New York or I don't even know what it's like in California in terms of public transport, if it's very good. But I have been so impressed by the transport in Milan, how consistent it is, how well connected everything is, um, that coming back to Chicago, it feels like I'm coming to like an undeveloped place. <laughs> you, want, you want to know what I love also about that, in particular Milan with transport, is Milan has, you know, it's, it's really well connected with the metro, with the trams, mm -hmm. and they have new trams, but they still, they keep up their vintage trams. Mm -hmm. And they don't just keep them up because they're pretty, they keep them up because they work and they can fix them. And I think that's a part of innovation and technology that a lot of people don't look at in regard to Italy. Like, there, there have been a lot of amazing things that have come from Italy. I know that a lot of people don't see it as a contemporary place, but there's, there's, you know, there have been so many great innovators and like startups and things like that. But then there's also the people that are able to take something and just keep making it work and make it work really well. And I love that. It's huge. And even on the sustainability side as well, like I was so impressed with some of the standards that at least in Milan, they keep um, even just in terms of like the waste system and things like that. Like it is very advanced, much more so than Chicago. So it was crazy for me to see. Come to Alto Adige with me sometimes. They are, yeah. they are amazing with like eco sustainability, but also because a lot of these things are they're 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 not, it's not because they're just jumping on a trend. It's because they've always done that. And I was, I was talking to a friend of mine about that yesterday. There's a, a level of uh, Italian ingenuity that right now um, people are like ecosustainability and Italians are like, we've always done that, you know, because mm -hmm. we had no choice or because we didn't, we, we found it more pragmatic, you know? Yeah, no, it's huge. And I, I think also Italians have a value of like materials, like, especially when it comes to food and things like that, like, figuring out how to use all parts of an animal and like it turns into um the things that other people might use less turns into like a specialty thing in Italy like that's something that I love about it but um, that's what my mom loves too she's a big fan of like tripe and payata like the yeah. offals of <laughs> exactly. that's right that's where I'm not, not I'm not quite but I I, I love it 
but I, I, my stomach doesn't like it as much. No, exactly. I love it from a sustainability perspective. <laughs> this next stereotype comes from my friend Ryoko, who's from Japan. I'm going to just let her describe in her own words, because she did it so nicely, about how this expectation was not met in the most positive of ways. So before, everybody was saying Milano is about business, everybody is cold, work, it's like, you know, a business-oriented city. So I was expecting that a little bit, and then I came here, and it's like, tranquilo. When I came here, everybody was like, ah, oh, in Milan people are like a little bit cold, also, you know, superficial, because Milano is about business, fashion, it's a little bit pretentious. But when I came here, it's like, no. People are very warm, very happy to talk to you, and I think it's a safe environment for me as a Japanese to be here because I feel accepted, kind of, like the inclusiveness that they have. What do you think about that? No comment. No comment? You agree? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm from, I, I, you know, I'm Roman. I love That's Rome. That's so I true. Can't, I can't, I, I, I plead the fifth here. I, will, I refuse to comment. <laughs> Well, I'm going to say, everything's relative. Everything. And, and you know what? Like I said, with Venice, it's it's sort of the same thing with, with you know, the, if you've been immersed in the South mm-hmm. when you get to the North. And maybe if, if, if you if you have an idea of stereotype, stereotypical or a stereotype of Italian culture, the North is a little bit more frayed, though. It's a little bit mm-hmm. older. But yeah. I guess that's also like that's also kind of means you have to understand the nuance you know like it like I guess that like I like I was saying for Venice you know it was not like Venetians aren't going to waste their time like just being like doing like inviting you right away to do stuff they they live on an island they've had to protect themselves you know it's the same thing in essence with I think a lot of the northern places because they're they're not outside 24 7 like like the south is so the south has that and the funny thing is a lot of people have said, you know, that also means the South is a lot more superficial. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. Like, whereas I guess in the North, if you are like interacting with someone who's really friendly, maybe it's more authentic. Yeah. If you, that, whereas the South is kind of like, they're just friendly to anyone and everyone, but it doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's mm-hmm. all off the record. <laughs> you don't know, don't she, tell my cousins I said that. That's so funny. She um she said this and then went on to say that she's found it to be totally not like that at all, which is so interesting. Um, coming from Japan, she said that um I think what you're saying is very true. Like you kind of need to break through that like top layer. It's almost like once you prove yourself, whether it's through like speaking Italian with them, because also like when I walk into a store, it's very evident I'm not from there. Um, but I think like I have I also found some very warm people and especially out of like the tourist context like I think anytime you go around the center of a city in Italy you're going to find people are probably pretty tired of seeing tourists going to markets and going to places like on my street I had this gelateria that I would go to way too often way too often and the people kind of got to know me and I got to live out kind of my expectation for having like my place like that's what I wanted when I moved to there was to have like my bar or some place that I would go to really often where the people recognized me and would greet me um and over the course of a few months that kind of 
is what happened. And it was pretty funny. Like there were some cases where um, like they would give me my gelato and I would go outside and then the owner would like follow me out and like bring me like a bowl or like bring me like something else to put it in and just like would bring me extra napkin. It was just really sweet. So it was kind of fun developing those relationships with people. I think you hit the key is developing relationships because, you know, think about this. Someone comes into your hometown and is there just for the day. Like you'll be polite and you'll be friendly, Mm -hmm. but you might, you know, but you know that they're, they're just a spectator for a day, right? They're just kind of, you know, or even worse, they could be rubbing, you know, just rubbernecking for that, that time. Right. So as, as the resident, you know, you, you still want to protect what's yours, which might come across to them as cold. Right. Then, you know, People start it just like with anything else. You start to see them come back and come back, and you you're building that that relationship, that trust that they're they're there for, not the rubbernecking, not for the spectator, but they're there to be there, you know. Sure. So I think I think that's like, you know, that when people talk about Milan as being cold or the North as being cold, they're they're really forgetting that part. Like, they're not. It's not a you know. It's not the zoo. They're not animals <laughs> to look at. Yeah. No, it's a really good point. Now this last quote, which I'll admit is probably cheating because this one is actually from an Italian friend named Luca, he's from Rome, but Luca spent a lot of his life abroad so I figured he could qualify for this exercise. Stereotype that people think about Italy, which is not true, is that Italians are lazy. And they just sit around all day drinking coffee. La dolce vita. I'd love to hear your perspective on this one. I hate hearing that. I thought about that. You know, to the outsider, you're right. Italians might not work as hard quantitatively. Like maybe they're not working, you know, especially in Rome, you know, they'll go to the bar, they'll go to the piazza, whatever. Uh, qualitatively, they work far harder. They work better. I think... I think Italians, when they, not, not not everyone, because, you know, this is not, I don't want to generalize, but there is a, an earnestness to, at any time, any time you talk to, or 99% of the time, <laughs> when you talk to someone about what they do, they will really tell you about it. And they will get deep, you know, some some people might just really get all academic on you, and or some people might get really passionate, but they really, really, really know. So there is, a, I, th- I think they work hard qualitatively, far more than a lot of people that I've ever met. Um, yeah, there's always going to be the exception, you know, and there's always going to be people that game a system, but things that I, like I've noticed, like when you ask and, you know, I'll, I'll be interviewing an artist and they'll really get into the nitty gritty of like technique and production and things. Whereas somebody else might just be like, yeah, I like the color, you know, that's kind of a throwaway comment, but I, I really do think Italians work more earnestly and they work better. I love what you just said, because I feel like in the U S at least at a certain level, it's so much about like how many hours you spend at your desk or how many hours you spend doing a certain thing, not necessarily like how well you do it or how how thoroughly you're doing it. Um, what you were saying just reminded me, even on like a different level in the sense of like when you go to a cheese shop and you ask, you know, I don't I don't know that much about cheese. Like, what do you recommend? I like cheese that's like this. I mean, these people are experts in what they do and they it, they have a lot of and they're proud. And they're super proud. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think that like, there's a definite value to that. And I think 
I don't know. You can't necessarily measure work just by how many hours you spend doing something. Although in Milan, there is like a bit more of a workaholic culture than probably some other places in Italy. I think it has a little bit more of that, like, it, you know, for, for a variety of reasons, that New York vibe to it, you know, mm-hmm. of, of kind of working a, in a different way. What I will say, you know, it's, it's funny, yesterday I was, I was in a spec shop. So spec is um, a cured meat from the Alto Adige, Trentino Alto Adige. And um, I was, I wanted to bring some home. So I, I found this place called the Mazo de, de la Spec, like the home <laughs> spec. And I was like, that must be the place. And <laughs> yeah, there was all different kinds of spec. And I mean, there was just everything from that area. And so, but I was like, there was a lot of spec and I didn't really know what to choose. So I casually asked, what's the best one that I could bring home? And we had a conversation about, okay, you know, there were two different cures, like eight months versus 12 months, how I was going to cut it, what knife I was going to cut it, was I going to use the fetatrice, which is the mechanical thing, you know, what did I have? So then that would depend on what cut I was getting for the cut. I mean, it was like, I walked out of there and I was like, I am the expert in spec, which by the way, I I ate two pieces. I was in ecstasy and I forgot everything. I was so happy. It was really cute because also at at the same time, after we went through, I got my whole lesson in spec, which was awesome. Spec is my favorite cured meat, I think. Really? I just, I just, I just recently converted to it. I didn't like it before. I feel like it tends to be, I mean, I've never been to Trentino, so maybe I haven't had like the spec, but I feel like it tends to be a little less fatty than like prosciutto. What do you think? I mean, no? see, 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 like I, I'm the kind of person that like, I don't care about, I love fats. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. so, so I'm, I like don't even, I mean, I, maybe I guess it is, you know, it is a little less fatty in that the way it's cut and what comes mm-hmm. out. Like, cause sometimes, you know, some people like to really pull off the fat from prosciutto yeah. and then they're left with like that little tiny sliver like and you're nothing. like, yeah. yeah. Um, I just, I, I I really, it's, I must've had, had like old or badly cut spec before, but I was always like, Oh, this is kind of the, you know, in the pantheon of, uh, you know, Italian cured meats, I wouldn't even let it in the door. You know, that was how I was. And then (laughs) then recently I've been a a convert. (laughs) That reminds me. I went to Italy a couple of days ago and got a Pandoro, like, you know, they had like a bunch on sale. So I was like, I'll take one of these. It was crazy. They had like a 75% off sale. And it's so funny. The reason that I just got reminded of this is because you were saying like you visited the place where it's made and then you liked it. And I just think that's the case for like most things like at least last year I was like kind of going around telling myself like I'll just try it even though I've never liked this in the past and sure enough it ended up being like the best thing ever and same with like panettone like that was like a big discovery for me in December then I introduced it to my boyfriend in December so when we were in Italy last week he was like look at these pandoro they're like they're on sale let's just get one as a treat (laughs) did you guys do the put keep it in the bag and put the sugar and shake it Yep. And we also, before we did that, we popped it in the oven for like a minute to heat oh. it up, which is how I like to do it. Cause then it gets like a little, my Sicilian friend told me I have to do that. So I just follow the rules, but, um, oh, I've never actually, done that. Yeah. It's nice. Cause it, well, especially since this was a sale Pandora, like I think it could probably use a little, <laughs> a little something. I actually made French toast with the leftovers. So I was like following all of our instructions from our bakers. 
I'm so happy because guess what I did the other day? I too made myself front with the, with with Nicola Olivier. He's the one who really talked a little bit about the French toast. Also, well, actually everyone did. I made myself French toast too. And I was so happy. And it was so funny because I said to Darius, I was like, I'm going to make you French toast, you know, and I, and I made it with the panettone and he liked it. And, and then I was like, oh, you like the French toast panettone or panettone French toast, however I said it. And he was like, that was panettone. Because he he believes that you should only eat it as a slice. He's a purist. Okay. And he thought the idea of panettone French toast was gross. And then now he's like, super good. Yeah, it's super good. My sincerest thank you to Erica Firpo for inviting me to participate in this episode of Ciao Bella, as well as for including me as part of the team for the last few months. I also want to thank the Master Brand Class of 2023 for a year of laughs, hard work, lots of personal growth, and most of all, friendship. Ciao for now. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ciao Bella. The editor of Ciao Bella is Mastro. Production manager is Jenna Spray. If you're new to Ciao Bella, take a peek at ciaobella.co, our all-encompassing Italy-focused website, where you'll find insider insight on contemporary Italy. And sign up for our newsletter for new episodes and articles. Follow me on Instagram at Erica Firpo, and follow Ciao Bella on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Leave us a rating or comment. Ciao, ciao.